Welcome to the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you and your wallet. I want you to learn ideas from me so that you can keep more of what you make. Clark.com is our web address. Clarkdeals.com is where you go to save money. Coming up in 20 minutes in today's Clark Rageous Moment, criminals have come up with a new way to empty your checking account for your small business, if you work for a nonprofit or anything like that, it could happen to consumers too, but the real target is small businesses. I'm going to tell you what you need to know. And coming up in a half hour, there are all these prescription cards promising you the lowest prices on drugs. How do you know which one saves you the real money? I'm going to tell you that in 30 minutes. And right now I want to talk about The biggest thing in our lives are homes, and there are so many initiatives right now from people offering home sellers certainty in selling their home. I talked recently about a number of companies that are offering programs where they just make you an offer for your house right away, and this isn't like the ones where you're have a distressed house that's beat up or whatever, somebody's offering to buy it from you and they're trying to get a deal, they fix it up and all that. No, these are buyers that buy your house at a set agreed to price and you just move out and then they're responsible for marketing your house. Or they market your house but enter into a contract with you that if it doesn't sell in a certain period of time, usually six weeks, they buy your home at the pre-agreed to price. Well, and I've got links to some of those in the cities they're doing this in at Clark.com. But now Zillow, the app that so many people looking for real estate use on their phone, now has a new thing that they're testing for sellers called Zillow Instant Offers. And the way it works is you get qualified as a buyer with Zillow, and then instead of the normal process of a seller listing his or her home for sale, instead what you do is you go into the instant offer program, you get a comparative analysis to give you way beyond just the Zestimate you may be used to from Zillow that may or may not be accurate. They use, as best they can, using real estate professionals the ability to come up with what would be fair value for your home, and then people are able to make offers who have already been vetted, and then you can decide to accept an offer or not, but generally the buyers already know what you're expecting, and with instant offers, You've got the offer that is a real offer from a buyer, and then you're done, if you wish to be. And this is a clear emerging trend in real estate, because there are so many issues that come up when, let's say, you've already put in an offer on another house contingent on your selling. Well, the people you're buying from don't like contingency offers. In these programs that are emerging around the country, you're in a position that you know you can 
make a real offer on a house you're buying because you have a solid purchase of your home. By the way, the Zillow program, and I should say again, each of these programs we have listed on Clark.com, as I mentioned earlier, they operate in different cities. The Zillow one is in Las Vegas and Orlando as the first two test markets. Each of them use a different methodology, and you got to make sure that the methodology you like is available where you live. But this is not a flash in the pan. This is definitely part of the future of real estate, is where you as a seller don't sit and wait and wait and hope for a buyer. You know right away if you have your home priced right, because that buyer is there right away. Anthony's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Anthony. How are you doing? Hi, Clark. I'm doing well. How are you? Great, thank you. You want to know if doing something simple is a good idea or not? Well, yes. I kind of wanted to share with you and listeners a product and service I've been using now, a banking product, basically. So I've been a listener to your show for a little over a year. Uh, You've been my company on my six-mile walks uh, via via, uh, PodStream. But I I found... um, I hear on your calls often about, you know, couples or married couples, girlfriend, boyfriends that have problems with, you know, managing a household checking account. So it's very easy to get one at any bank. So I've been looking, and my girlfriend and I, uh, we found uh, an account where it's kind of twofold. You get an individual account, and you get a joint share account. It's all free, and the company is simple. Um, and they also have an app and a phone app that is pretty much platformed like a virtual envelope system. So you're making budget goals and line items that you save either day-to-day or you pretty much allocate money to those goals. And once they're already allocated to, you have like a safe-to-spend metric, which you can monitor with your spouse or significant other and I just wanted to share it with you because I think it's, it really hits home on the budgeting piece, but also the ease of having a joint account with a spouse or partner. Um, so I, I love Simple. I, I think Simple, you know, they, they thought it up from the ground up and built a bank from the ground up thinking about how people want to use one today. And so they yeah. didn't have to change what already existed they just created uh based on what people said you know their gripes and what people said they wanted they eliminated the the things that caused people to gripe and they gave people what they wanted and so uh how do you do with the you know they've got that network of atms you can use have you found that to be wide enough that you're able to use ATMs fee-free? Yes. So I won't say the names of the of the places, but pretty much um, the convenience stores slash pharmacies that are pretty much chains in most places have certain um, fee-free ATMs. So um, with the, my prior bank I used to um, have, they also had a free network as well. So it's the same network. So it's pretty much uh, go to anyone that I used to go to. So it's simple. Well, and uh, and I think that the choice of the very name Simple was brilliant because everything they're about is eliminating the confusing things. The I think there's always been a tendency in banking 
to try to confuse the customer so that they could slap you around in the wallet with fees. And there are a number of people doing this where they're just putting the emphasis on making it easy for you. Ally is a competitor of Simple. I think they've done a good job. Um, I was thrilled with ING Direct. They ended up being sold to Capital One 360 that I, I don't hear much about at all. Yeah, I, I had them as well. That's, and they pretty much, once they switched ING, it was just pretty much all the, all the basics. Still a good bank, uh, but the simple really caught my eye and it's, uh, it shifted my, my movement to uh, an easier way to manage a household budget and individual. Well, I really appreciate the perspective, and Anthony, I will tell you that in the years that Simple has existed, I have never not once had a complaint about them, and when you have zero complaints about any banking institution, that's great. Follow me at facebook.com slash Clark Howard. Our web address, clark.com. When you got a question for me, go clark.com slash ask. Margaret's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Margaret. Hi, Clark. So nice to hear from you. Well, Margaret, it's great to have you here, except not under these circumstances. Yeah, well, um, we got a notice from the IRS that someone used our Social Security number to try to file for a refund. So um, I went and did a credit check, and everything's fine there. But we're about to apply for a student loan for my daughter, She's going in in September, but I'm not sure if we put a credit freeze now, how that's going to affect us applying for a student loan. That is a great question. So are you going to borrow under the parents' program, or is she going to be doing her own loans? Her own loan. If she's going to be doing her own loans, there's no problem with you freezing your credit files. If she's applying under the federal student loan program. It's an unsubsidized loan. Yeah, but it's a federal unsubsidized. Right. So she would be the one on the hook. You don't want to be on the hook for that. But we have to co-sign that loan, don't we? Not if it's a federal. Okay. See, if you do a parents plus loan, it's not a co-sign. You're actually taking out that loan for the benefit of your daughter. But if she's just doing an unsubsidized Stafford, is that what she's doing? I think so. I'm not sure. Yeah, if it's an unsubsidized Stafford, she stands on her own and she signs for that loan on her own. But even if you did sign on a loan for her and your credit's frozen it's not a hassle really all after your credit's frozen you're issued a secret code by each of the three credit bureaus and then when the time comes that you need to do the credit app for the student loans if you did have to be on it you temporarily thaw your freeze which takes almost no time at all and we're talking about usually about a minute and a half two minutes and how long do you thaw the freeze for? Until That's up to clear? you. You can, uh, depending on the credit bureau, you can do it for one particular credit inquiry, or you can set up, hey, we know we're going to be done with the applications in two weeks, set it up for a date two weeks from now. Most often when people thaw, they thaw for 30 days. Great. And then when you unthaw, do you still have to pay an additional fee? Depends on the state. Gosh, that's the same answer to the last question, right? Each state has its own rules about what happens when you freeze and thaw. In most states, thawing credit is free. Only setting up the freeze initially in many states costs money. Okay. But the maximum it can cost is $10. Okay. 
So if you needed to thaw all three reports, you'd be looking at 30 bucks for you, 30 bucks for your husband, $60. Do we have to worry about, well, I found out from the IRS that my daughter's name and social security number was put into our tax account. So do I have to worry about her account? Uh, that could be potentially true. Is she 17 or 18? She, they didn't use the student that's going into college. They oh. used an older daughter who's filing on her own at this point. Then she would be very wise to freeze her credit files as well. Oh, okay. That's good. The reason I was asking age is that at 18 and above, it's really easy to freeze credit. When you're a minor okay. child, it's difficult. Okay. How do we protect our Social Security number at this point? Well, the credit freeze is the only method we're given. There's no other procedure at this point to keep your Social Security number safe. But the great thing about credit freeze is that it truly does keep you safe from most things that a criminal might attempt to do. And that's why it's something that for years and years, the number of people that did credit freeze was probably in the tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands. Now it's a very common thing that people freeze their credit files as the only way to lock up your identity from the people who'd want to use it. Today's Clark Rageous moment is one of those areas where you've done nothing wrong, but you end up harmed. Scams, ripoffs, outrages. It's a Clark Rageous moment. This is just terrible. So criminals have figured out how to use the routing numbers from your checking account to then turn around and loot your checking account using what's known as Automated Clearinghouse, ACH. ACH is a system where banks move money from one bank to another, and ACH, Automated Clearinghouse, is also used where, let's say, you set up to allow a business to draft your account on the same day each month. Let's say it's for your power bill or whatever. So that network is now being manipulated by crooks. And they specifically target businesses and nonprofits because there's more money in the accounts, but there's nothing that would keep this from happening to consumer as well. Under new ACH procedures that, by the way, the banks have not come up with adequate security for, a criminal simply having the routing numbers for your account can issue a payment to whoever they wish using your transit numbers. And they move money to their benefit, but pulling it out of your account. Now, here's where it's so important at a small business or a nonprofit. The problem so often is at a smaller business, and especially at nonprofits, nobody's looking at the transactions in a checking account except once a month when the bank statement comes in. But in this fast-growing fraud, by the time you would get around to that, your business or nonprofit may be completely out of money. What you need to do is have a procedure where you monitor your account. You have an employee assigned to do so, or if you're a one-person company or nonprofit, you do so using the banking app for your bank that you have your checking account at. 
And when you notice a transaction that doesn't look right, you immediately notify your bank to stop the fraud from continuing. This is one of those things that's going to be a big story probably in another couple of months is the criminals are finding it so easy to steal because of the failure of the banks to put in proper security. But in the meantime, you don't want to be part of a news story. You want to prevent a serious problem from happening to you. And the way you do it, you can't prevent the crime, but you can limit the harm by closely monitoring your account. Glad you're with us on the Clark Howard Show where it's about you and your wallet. I want you to learn ideas from me so that you can keep more of what you make. Clark.com is our website. ClarkDeals.com is where we save you money. One expense that can be really difficult on your wallet is prescription drugs. When you go to fill a prescription, in fact, the estimate I've seen is that one out of three prescriptions are now abandoned at the pharmacy counter when people find out how much they are. Well, I read a story in the New York Post doing a comparison of the cost of a variety of popular medicines, you know, heavily prescribed medicines, and comparing the cost from one place to another. And they did something with a twist. They even compared costs with people using prescription discount cards, comparing the cost from one place to another. And the differences could be phenomenally large, like the cheapest place, the most expensive, being as much as nine times the cost, and sometimes even more than that. Like, here's an example for Crestor. I should know what that's for, but I don't. Crestor is a very common prescription. And in their survey, the cost for 30 pills ranges from $16 to $238, depending on where you get it. Another one, Lunesta, $25 for 30 pills, up to $173. Celebrex ranges from $22 to $107. And this was common with drug after drug after drug, but Here's the funny part. It wasn't necessarily one place was the most expensive each time or one place the cheapest each time. It varied by medicine. So we tend to default to a favorite pharmacy, and we go to that one time after time. But if the cost matters, you got to check. I don't know if you tuned in when I told the story back in the spring about us being on a family trip and my middle child needed a prescription filled. And the cost difference for the prescription was so exorbitant from one place to another, it was beyond comprehension. That one place the medicine was over $300, we ended up filling it at another for less than $20. So... I know it's simple to just have your favorite place you go and to fill the meds, but 
it doesn't work that way. Something else you should know, though, if you do shop around and you have a favorite pharmacy, they may have a price match guarantee where you shop, find the price lower somewhere else, and the place you like to go that's in your neighborhood or whatever may match it dollar for dollar. But just going in and going the same place and paying whatever they say, well, that's generally a loser's game with one exception. And there's only one I know of, and that's Costco Wholesale. Costco uses a different method of pricing their prescriptions than anybody else, and so they are consistently dirt cheap. They may not 100% of the time be the cheapest place, but often they will be right there with whoever's cheapest. Oh, and I should mention, you don't have to be a member of Costco to buy prescriptions there. By law, they have to let you in to fill a prescription, even if you're not a member. Kim is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Kim. Hey, Clark. Kim, you have a question for me about going to a real estate seminar. How's that thing playing out? Well, I went to one, and they weren't actually advertising it as a real estate seminar, but more for women to be financially independent. And so I went, and I've been to some similar things in the distant past and was expecting uh, not much and knew that it was going to be a sales thing and probably a pep rally. And it was, but there was a different take on it, and I was really surprised. There were a lot of women there. I'd say there were close to 200. I was surprised at how many of them got up before it was even over to go back to the back and pay the the price that they said we would need to pay to take the course to become financially independent. But I just, I how much was the course? Two thousand. Two grand. Okay. Yeah. And Um, what does the the course supposedly teach you to do? It teaches you basically how to flip houses, and the the twist that they had on it was that you would be using their company's money, not your own. So, of course, that sounded really great to a lot of people in the room and to me. Um, but I don't believe I don't believe that scenario for a second. And I would not be surprised if those women who popped up and ran back to sign up were all planted. insiders plants. <laughs> because, all right, so if they're going to use their money and teach you their system to buy uh, real estate, that then supposedly they're going to buy it such a great deal that then they're going to flip. Yeah. They don't need you. It's all about selling you the seminars. And did you sign up or did you? I did not sign up. The the thing that turned me off the most was, well, there was a woman whose video they showed at the beginning who I guess is over the whole thing, but there was a man who was leading the seminar and some women trying to ask questions and he kept telling them to hold the questions till the end. But at the end, he still didn't allow any questions, so that's what really turned me off, and I decided instead of raising my hand, I would just shout out a question, and I said, how many women who take this actually make money? What's the percentage? And then he said, I can't take any questions. We don't have time. You'd be taking up everybody else's time. So that was what really raised a huge red flag for me, and then I, as I was about to leave, I looked down through the brochure, and I saw this testimonial, and I looked fast-forwarded to the fine print, and it had a disclaimer that I imagine a lot of the women in the room without their reading glasses wouldn't even be able to see. 
And uh, you want me to read it to you? Yeah, please. It's it's short. It says, testimonial disclaimer, the case studies provided are from some of the top students who have shared their success with us. Their earnings are not typical, and they purchased additional training. Most of our students do not make any money. Well, <laughs> they're protecting themselves from a lawsuit, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> but I love that last part. Most of our students don't make any money. Yeah. So, no, well, I left at that point when I saw that. I wish I had passed it around to everybody and circled it. But. Well, but people have to make their own decisions. You've helped other people maybe with guidance that will keep them from making the wrong decision in the future, Kim. And you go to one of these things hoping that you will dare to be rich. But anytime somebody promises you, hey, hey you're going to use our money, but we're going to teach you how to use our money, and we're going to front all the risk and all that, you just pay us your money, that never has any credibility with me. And you did the right thing by walking out the door. But something even better, I appreciate so much, Kim, you sharing it on the air with me and your fellow listener. Ron's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Ron. How are you today? Good. How are you, Clark? Great, thank you. You have a, a Roth TSP, is that right? Yep. I work for the U.S. Postal Service. I'm a rural carrier. Um, I have a Roth TSP, and I'm 42. And I, I just thought I'd heard you say that when you kind of reach a certain point of your life, it might be beneficial to switch back to traditional, or should I just keep it as, as Roth? Well, if you're living okay without the money, you know, you end up with less of a net check doing the Roth than you do with the traditional. Correct. If you're hanging in there okay, and plus, from earlier in your career, you probably have some TSP money that was pre-tax TSP money. We just switched to uh, the Roth, or, you know, it became another option just three years ago, roughly. So most of, your career, most of your career, you've been in a traditional TSP. Correct. Yep. So in your case, it would be an ideal situation for you to do Roth TSP the remainder of your careers with the Postal Service, of your career. And then when in retirement, you'll have two piles of money. You'll have a pre-tax pile of money and a post-tax pile of money. And that gives you much more flexibility based on what's going on in your life at that time. If you're working part-time, if you, uh, what tax bracket you're in, whether you'd be better off each year pulling money from the TSP or the Roth TSP. So it would, like be, it would yeah. be ideal for you for the remaining years to do Roth TSP. Now, let me tell you one other thing. Any time you ever go to a retirement party for any of your fellow postal workers, very important, tell them to leave their TSP where it is because there's going to be a lot of people like snakes in the grass that come along and try to get retired government workers to move their TSP money. And you know why you never want to move it like that? No, the TSP, I mean, as long as you move it into an IRA or something like that, there's no penalty, okay. no tax due. But here's the problem. Actually, it's an advantage. The TSP, for people who aren't familiar with the term, it is the government equivalent of a 401k just a thousand times better because the TSP is the most well-run, lowest cost retirement plan offered in the United States of America. 
And so in retirement, you can leave your money in the TSP till you need it, and that's a much better place to be. But all these people come along and say, oh, do I have a deal for you? Just give me your TSP money, and I'm going to invest it for you. Uh-uh. No way. <laughs> leave it there, and you work hard for your money. You've worked hard to save money. You leave it behind there. And in retirement, do I recall that you'll have some form of postal service retirement plan? Correct. And so that will cover a meaningful amount of your retirement costs. Yeah, I think they consider almost, what do you call it, kind of like a three-legged stool. Like in a way, you're going to have roughly about a third of your annual income will be pension, you know, and then, you know, hopefully Social Security kicks in enough there and then your remainder would be, you know, whatever retirement funds you had. So that, in your case and in others, when you have that that situation that used to be common now is rare, that you have the pension, Social Security, and the money you saved yourself, is that it means that you tend to want to invest at a, uh, I don't want to call it aggressively, but not as conservatively as many people might later in their working years because you have those two other things carrying you along. So good for you. Keep on doing that Roth TSP. Denise, you're headed to an all-inclusive resort. You excited? Yes, very excited. Well, good. Well, how can I be of service to you with your trip? Well, um, I did my research before we booked this resort, but I was just checking TripAdvisor the other day, and um, the resort's in the Dominican Republic. And when I was looking at the new posts for the resort, there were a lot of comments about the staff was expecting tips. And you're and like, we, what, what does all-inclusive mean, right? Well, all the literature and the website says gratuities are included. Okay. <laughs> Let me explain that to you, okay? All right. Yes. So you'll know this forever forward. There are all-inclusives that prohibit the staff from receiving any tips from customers. That gratuities are already included in the price, that's it. But unless they say that, that tips are prohibited, tips are what is known by the lingo, and you may have seen this in some of the postings, appreciated. So even though you're at an all-inclusive, you are expected to give some level of tipping to someone who does a good job or who does something special for you or whatever. And you will read on the message boards, as you have seen, people who feel like, wait, 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 I thought I was all-inclusive. Why is it that I'm expected to tip here, there, and everywhere? And so it does depend some on the culture of the all-inclusive resort you're at, whether tipping is something you are expected to do just for breathing and being there or tipping is something that if somebody does something nice you're expected to help that one person you'll be able to tell from the TripAdvisor postings Denise on your specific property you're going to whether you're going to have to prepare to be in the tipping mode or not Vicki is with us on the Clark Howard show hi Vicki Hello, how are you? Great, thank you. Vicki, you have one of those great problems in life. You get a bonus. Yes. How can yes, I, I be do. of service with your bonus? 
Well, my husband and I are looking to purchase a larger home after being in our house for nine years. And unfortunately, like a lot of us, we don't have a lot of equity in our house. And we have a good bit of savings, but not enough to put 20% down on a new house to avoid PMI. And we're still paying PMI on our current house. Yuck. So we were wondering what to do with my bonuses, if we should continue to put it in savings or pay the mortgage down a little bit. So you're going to stay in this house or you're going to move on? I was trying to follow what you said about... We're looking to move, but it's not. we're not in no big hurry. We, we definitely want to put down as much as we can to avoid PMI if possible. So okay. we're going to stay here for a little while. All right. So one thing I will let you know, it's again possible for you to avoid PMI without 20% down. Okay. You can do what used to be called a two-step where you take out a first mortgage for 80% of the purchase price of the home you're buying, pay 10% down. Mm -hmm. If you're in reach of 10%, you can put 10% down, and then you take out a second mortgage for the last 10%. Okay, I didn't know you you recommended that. Oh, definitely, because you want to avoid PMI however you can. Okay. So PMI is a real problem because you're paying... How much is your PMI premium a month? It's 65. It's not horrible. Well, but that's 900 times nine years. Right, right. So you paid like eight grand in the cost for a PMI, and that's money that doesn't do anything for you other than it made it possible for you to get the loan. Exactly. And we're about seven or $8,000 away from getting our mortgage down enough to... I guess cancel out. And how much is your, do you have enough money and bonus and in savings that you could just pay down the loan and can PMI right now? Uh, Technically, yeah, we do. Then I would do that because then you know you have a guaranteed return on your money of that $900 a year that can go straight back into savings and replenish your savings until it's time that you're going to sell this house and buy another one you get an immediate significant return on that money by paying down that balance. This is the Clark Howard Show. I want you to know that I appreciate so much that you've just tuned into our podcast, that you had faith in the information and advice you get. You want more information from us? One of the best ways to get Clark Smart is with our free newsletters, Clark Daily, Clark Deals, and Travel Escape. Sign up now. You'll be able to unsubscribe at any time if you think I'm wasting your time. Go to Clark.com newsletters.